Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, introducing the greatest top 10 show, The Movie Mount Rushmore, featuring the one AJ Anthony Jordan, the UK's favourite film critic, Nico Duro, the silver screen dude! Hey, screeners, how you doing? It's myself, the one AJ, Anthony Jordan. Take two, me too, Nico Duro. Exactly, take two indeed. And why do we say take two? Because of this small snippet right here. But can I just add one caveat here before we run completely out of time? I feel like we should almost... Have you... On that list you've got, have you got any honourables on it? Bro, Are they written? Like, I mean, I've written some. I think what we should do is in a year's time when we're doing the next New Year's, Eve, New Year's episode, we should come back and deliver our top 10 honourables from our top 10 of all time. I'm down. I'm down. Because I'm telling you guys, you could ask us this on any day. and it, I said this to you off camera. For me, my one is locked in. My top three are pretty much locked in too. It's compiling the rest of that 10 list that was really fucking difficult especially the bottom three because you're always like that's on there oh shit gotta take that off oh but can I take that off you know you you juggle so much so I'd like to revisit this in a year and be like this is the top 10 our other top 10 that didn't quite make it on yeah because I actually showed this to a colleague at work and he turned around and said I actually prefer your honourable top 10 you can do that's the thing there are films in there that They're worth it. Like they, it, it could go on forever. Of course, I, they I could can. do. We could do it for the next three years <laughs> and still could. be there. We could, but keep that list, yeah. guys. Now you know the silver screen dude yeah, really, just, really well. Just. Okay, so we, as you know, that last year we done our all-time fans, and my esteemed colleague here said, "You know what? Caveat." Yeah, yeah, big caveat. Here it is. Like, I'm sure you've got some honourables. I had enough. But we he had, had plenty. enough. <laughs> we had, do you know what's really funny? We do. And then I was really tempted, based on as you do, more films coming to your mind. Oh, should I add that? And I'm like, no. Yeah, these were the honourables. These were the honourables exactly. But this this might be next year's excerpt. I've already done the 2020. <laughs> Like, oh shit, you're way ahead of me. Some films I come up and I'm like, ooh, ooh, no, but it wasn't. It wasn't on the honourable list. It cannot be added. Yeah. And by that definition, I was like, okay. Yeah, I haven't gone that far. I just done that. I mean, kind of of course you have. Right. <laughs> so, um, what you guys will have... If you were with us from the, this time last year, you will know that there isn't actually a Rushmore nope. on this. It may come up that we may meet with certain films again. And then by that definition, last time there was just the one film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like the film that impacted us. You may... We, so, by that, <laughs> so by that definition, it's only if we have commonalities. There was no... In this case, it would be yeah. in no particular order. Yeah, literally. But failing that, it's just trip down memory lane, really. Do you want to give the Silver Screen Dudes universe a quick refresher of what your top 10 from last year were? Obviously, you do go back and listen. I was going to say, yeah, get you, you'll get the full in-depth. I was going to say, that's, that, that, we are very generous this time of year, aren't we? Mm. Okay, in 2018, my top 10 films were Die Hard with a Vengeance, The Mask, Terminator 2, American Pie, American History X, The Dark Knight, Men of Honor, Kill Bill, Crash, and Back to the Future Part 2. Yeah, 
I've got a crash made of that high for oh, you. Mate. Very How do people it. hate that movie? I, 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 I can't even. I can't. I can't establish it. I honestly can't. Ah, it. Oh. it it's such a reflection that I, I have to take yes. it and appreciate it. It's not subtle. Oh, I hate that argument. Nah, you will. I will. I will forever defend Crash. I will forever defend that film. Crash is good. Um, all right, my top ten from tw- well. I say from 2018, it was my top 10 of all time. But it wasn't but like it was, that year, I like no, 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 it. Was, it was like, yeah. yeah, when I say 2018, it was the 2018 list. This is the 2019 list. I don't want to call them honourables because they're kick ass films as well. No, they are. But I mean, these are my official top 10 of all time. Yep. Casino, Apocalypse Now, American History X, Donnie Darko, Scarface, Doctor Strange Love, True Romance, Jurassic Park, Jaws, and The Green Mile. Yeah. Now, both my misses, and actually we got a few messages coming in on Instagram this time last year of people going, we call bullshit. It's like, why? Why are we being called, <laughs> why is our list being called bullshit? Is our list not good enough for you? It's like, <laughs> no, no, it's nothing to do with that. All great choices. But we listen to this podcast week in, week out, and we hear the movies you talk about. You don't talk about the ones you just said are your favorite ever enough. So clearly there's other movies out there and it's like, actually, do you know what? That's quite true. There are. And that was the Honourables from last year, which is like, these are ones we talk about a lot and that we love. <laughs> but it, it's hard because... It's fucking it impossible, mate. Put it this way. Would you be tuning in every week if that top ten list just came up every week? Exactly. Which is why certain things are coming up later on in life. Yeah. You know, it's... You'll understand when the time comes. Tune in. Matt Harvey. Uh, yeah. But... It, we gonna get woke it, the, other, <laughs> the other side of it is is that we pick topics so we can't say top 10 Daniel Day-Lewis and then I go back to the future part 2 like, yeah. no it doesn't work <laughs> and that's the way we challenge ourselves and give you guys something to enjoy yeah. you know that's the way the game plays mm. so that's how it's been so basically the honourables for me from last year have now made a new top 10 list and I've I mean, fuck me, it's a good list. If I don't say so myself, there's a lot of good films I, in here. Do you know what? I, I'm, I'm happy with this. One, I'm like, oh, but... Cause, again, because they're honourables, last year I was like, no, you can't do that. This year, because it's still there, I'm like, hmm. But you can. You, yeah. <laughs> I can see where your appreciation lies in life with, like, actors and stuff. Yeah. Like that as well, but, uh, there's yeah. an influx of it this time. But, hey. It's My number 10 is going to cause controversy. I can feel that coming a mile really? off. Yeah, of course it will. Because it's you, you know I love this, but it's such a split film. But oh, anyway. What can we do? It is what it is. My number two has the world hating me. I'm used to it now. More from last year? Yeah. yeah big time. <laughs> it is what it is. So... Yeah, when that guy was at Eunice, you stopped and said, AJ, you're a knob! <laughs> Thankfully, that wasn't the way it went, but yeah, it could have well been. Do you know what? I'm waiting for that moment where someone actually does do that to us. Because oh, then you know you've made it. But then, listen, what was it, a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. I dared put the new hope in places it shouldn't be. So... <laughs> <laughs> you got balls. I might be like the next Vice City. You remember the big cojones? <laughs> I could be the next big and buck. Yeah. <laughs> I've lined myself up that way. Death by lightsaber. But yeah. Bro, putting. Fa- I mean, I respected you for this, but putting the Phantom Menace that high. 
I, do you know, part of me, there's, there are ways when we go around, and I don't want to waste too much time, but you have to appreciate what everything does, and it can't just be, oh, the new bits. Like, yeah. the prequel, you know, the originals, what have you, and I looked at it, I assessed it, I was like, no, if I'm going to do a top three, this, it, it, it made a lot, and it gave me the sense of Jedi. Do you know what, we've talked all of this, you've seen, I haven't seen, we can't, we can't, now we just talk Star Wars, this way, and be like, eh, move on. They need to know the silver screen. Oh, our reaction to the rise of yeah. Skywalker. So I haven't seen it as yet. Yeah. By the time you guys hear it, you may, I may have seen it. But all I'm going to say, called it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you did. I, I'd like to give a quick mini review here. Um, no spoilers, obviously, because I appreciate it's still quite fresh. Actually, do you know what? By the time this podcast comes out, it would have been out for two weeks already. Yeah, but I still haven't seen it at the time of this uh, listening. This is fine. I'm not going to go spoilers. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to look at it as a whole. And I'm going to look at it as the reaction of both myself and my missus, the reaction we had coming out of the cinema. And I think if you put those two reactions together, that's where you'll find the true meaning of this movie because my reaction was I admired J.J. Abrams so fucking much for somehow pulling this off and he's done this twice now where he has inherited oh no don't do that to me now where he has inherited the Star Wars IP and somehow he's had to take it from a realm of toxicity to a realm of acceptance again Say what you will about the prequels. I'm a prequels defender, minus the Revenge of the Sith, as you heard. The feeling for Star Wars was not good after the prequels. Mm. That's beyond dispute. And JJ took that and gave us The Force Awakens, and the world breathed a big sigh of relief. Now, do I think that The Rise of Skywalker ever reaches the highs of The Force Awakens? No, I do not. But I think, as a director the insurmountable fucking Mission Impossible he faced of dealing with Carrie Fisher's passing while still keeping her in the movie, having to retcon a lot of decisions that Ryan Johnson made. Now, that whether you agree with some of the narrative directions that Ryan Johnson took or not, that's obviously a, a subjective matter. I personally like them. I completely get why people didn't. Clearly, what Disney felt, the big guys at Disney were like, okay, well, the fans for most part didn't like this we need to fix this and you can tell that they basically said to JJ fix this for us because they're clearly going to keep making Star Wars movies after this and somehow somehow he has managed to fix this and I I, I use the term fix loosely because again I don't think it needed fixing a lot of people do and he did for, for all intents and purposes fan service fixing yeah. yeah he and actually this is where it comes on to my missus point of view because she said it's a very there's nothing wrong with it other than you know a bit of this old plot hole here and there it's a bit patchy in some parts the pacing can be a bit off but it's a very as Star Wars goes it's very beige okay it's very beige like in each Star Wars movie you can pick out that one moment where you are on the edge of your fucking seat this one lacks it yeah there wasn't a moment that made me go (gasps) like there were some stunning moments like there's one this isn't a spoiler because it's in the trailers but that lightsaber fight between Kylo Ren and Daisy Ridley on top of the ruins of the Death Star what they were doing with the imagery in that scene I was like oh I love everything about this this is good it's not one of the greatest lightsaber fights this isn't the jewel of the fates this is not Darth Maul but no it doesn't have to be 
imagery-wise, it was very interesting what they were going for. Um, the final battle felt a little bit on the rushed side. I actually think that this movie would have been better served, crazy as it may seem to think that a trilogy should be more than three movies, but this would have been better served as two movies. This felt like two two movies compressed into one. And that's that, again, is the insurmountable task. Yeah, it's damage control. JJ had to deal with damage control. And I think this movie shows... And I know Ant, who was on the Star Wars podcast with us, he was saying for ages, give the fans what they want. I actually think The Rise of Skywalker is a strong argument to why you shouldn't give the fans what you want. Because JJ was obviously put in a position where he wanted to tell his story, all while dealing with Kathleen Kennedy and Bob Iger saying, fix this, and all the while with the fury of the fans in wait saying, you better answer these fucking questions. And ultimately, he manages to achieve all three, but never hits heights that you want Star Wars to hit. Mm. So as as a, as an achievement, as a pop culture achievement, I think you can only look at JJ and say he's a fucking genius. As a Star Wars movie, it is a little bit on the beige side. Middle range. It's it, if we were to redo the list now, it would probably fall somewhere between five to seven. Okay. Interesting. I would give it score wise six and a half to seven out of ten. Okay. Cool. This is this is what I like actually is that from our group, a lot of people are agreeing with you in terms of score wise. Yeah. I've seen. I haven't read anything because I try to avoid everything until I've seen it. The feedback seems a bit more negative out there. Yeah. I don't know, but I, from the people I trust, we're at that kind of score, so I'm mm. happy with that. And I, I, I shouldn't do this, but I need to throw sh- throw one film critic under the bus here, um, Scott Mendelson. You you fucking prick. This guy has come out. No, he, he is an. Yeah, yeah. He, he is. He's a condescending troll who's hiding in his ivory tower of Forbes. Forbes, yes, the big publication Forbes. And he's writing in a way whereby he thinks he is better than everyone and is somehow the fucking messiah and savior of film. The way that he writes his prose in his review, and I invite you, by all means, go give that motherfucker some clicks, right? He needs them, poor little Scott. But this prick has actually gone as far as... uh, The heading of his review is the worst Star Wars movie ever made. Now, I appreciate maybe that his review was written at a time where his emotions were up, then I say you're not a good critic, because as a critic, you should actually be able to maybe take a little time, dwell on what you've seen, let it mull around in your head a bit, you know, get refined like a fine wine, and then come out with a very strong debate or point of view, with a unique point of view, with a unique perspective. But writing something as placid and boring and millennially predictable as hashtag worst Star Wars ever, it's like, and then he tries to somehow quantify that with really, really articulate prose going, and it's ba- And there was a line that stuck with me where I thought, oh, you prick, where he wrote, and it's bad enough that most people aren't even willing to see adult movies anymore, and I speak to you now, movie verse. It's like, who the fuck are you? Who the fuck? fuck are you to decide what people should see and shouldn't see? What the fuck gives you the right to decide what an adult movie is or isn't? And more to the point, who the fuck put you in charge of telling people when they do and don't go to the cinema? He's trying to make it that 
you know, because he's obviously scared that... And this is a thing about movies not being given enough time anymore because they are becoming quite an expensive pastime. You know, you go to the cinema now, you had your Coke, popcorn, you bought your two tickets, you're spending 50 quid. Easy. It's an expensive day out. You've got a family with two kids, all of a sudden that's 100 quid. I dare not even think of it. It's an expensive fucking day out. So the fact that he's worried that less and less people are going to the cinema and with the rise of Netflix, more and more people are staying at home, that is a very real and and that is an interesting debate to be had. But the fact that he's now tried to use that as leverage as some sort of support mechanism in a in a tirade of a film, which sure, d- d- the same way he's allowed to not like it, that's fine. But the manner in which he delivered his 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 finishing salvo of it's bad enough that people aren't seeing adult movies anymore. It's like get off your. F- Fucking ivory horse, you condescending fuckstick. See, uh, my key thing is, if you are trying to defend cinema, don't complain when people are going. One. Thank you. (laughs) That's key point number one. And two, if we're going to talk an adult film, what defines an adult film? One, if you're going to take around Christmas time, I think most people do aim for families. Correct. Family films, by their very definition, are also geared towards kids. Yeah. And And when you've got families going, that's four people or three people instead of one person filling a cinema ticket so more people to your point AJ yeah. are going the, the whole thing just, just made no it, sense it makes no sense and then by adult film what are we talking we have to, I mean to me when I say adult in that sense you could be going down X rated films which we're not doing or Correct. you're just telling people it can only be a biopic or the world's most intense drama. Thriller or drama, yeah, exactly. And the fact that what made me really angry, you know, I've, I've chiseled my teeth a little bit on the cloth of being a film critic. I've done my part. I've yeah. got my following. Um, what made me really fucking angry is that I think as a to be a modern-day critic, you, it's very easy to get trapped in the whole formula of criticism, which is, this is what happens in the narrative these are the actors who play these roles this is how well the actors play these roles this is the director who directed the movie this is the score I'm giving it done right a lot of critics nowadays both YouTube written however you want that's the format they follow there are some very interesting critics out there guys like uh, Mark Commode from The Guardian he's a fantastic critic because he's got a very Roger Ebert-esque way of writing and he looks at films both from how they rank up historically to films that came before them, where they could have drawn inspiration from, how the director is shooting something. You know, he looks at many different things, right? Which is, that for me is an interesting critique because you are actually dissecting the film and critiquing it. All this prick Mendelssohn's done, not Ben Mendelssohn, the actor, Scott Mendelssohn, the cunt from Forbes, all this all this See You Next Tuesday has done is he's essentially said so these were the first two movies good historical draw there Scotty boy and and very adult so adult and this is the narrative and this is why I think the narrative doesn't work and people should see more adult movies and it's like okay great but at no point have you talked about the cinematography have you talked even about the basic things like the acting have you talked about the difficulties that the director faced with all of the external factors have you talked about bringing in old characters have you talked about inspiration taken from extra law which you're probably not even fucking aware of and it's like how is this guy working for Forbes? And I'm sorry to write it for Forbes. They, you know, they've got guys like Simon Thompson working for them, who is a very good critic. 
Um, follow him at This Is Simon Thompson and Showbiz Simon. There you go. Free plug for Forbes just to show you I'm not completely biased. But this prick, man, this this motherfucker, this <laughs> this this guy, man, hey, this this motherfucker, yeah. Um, but <laughs> jokes aside, it's I think it really sets up a nasty precedence where you've got guys for writing for as respected publica- publication houses as Forbes, writing such boring run-of-the-mill titles as Worst Star Wars Movie Ever. It's like, you may as well be a nine-year-old on YouTube, mate. But you're not. You're representing Forbes. Develop. Touché. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Okay. So... But I quite really? like <laughs> And you gave him a fair score, which is out there. And like, I'm going to say it because I'm going out, guys. Support it. Let's, let's see what it's about. Let's Just let's... support cinema in general! Let, let's close this trip. Fuck! Yeah. Okay, so I, I would give you the normal area to clear your throat, but we're not going to Oh, it's do... clear. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, I suppose you can give us a brief rundown of how a Rushmore works. Obviously, there is no... A Rushmore minus a Rushmore? Yeah, this is it. So, for those of you returning from last year's our personal top ten episode, welcome episode. back, or welcoming you back from any episode you may have listened to before. And if you're new to the Silver Screen Dudes Movie Mount Rushmore podcast, this is how it works. AJ and I get assigned a topic, we go our separate ways, and we come back in studio and deliver to you the Silver Screen Dudes our individual top tens. AJ will go first, delivering his bottom three. I will deliver my bottom three. AJ will deliver his next two. I will deliver my next two. Then we will trade one apiece. If at any time, while one person has a movie in a higher position, that person will say. Punt. And we will punt and talk about that movie when we get to the higher position. Normally, when we both reveal their individual top tens, we create the movie Matt Rushmore. That's not happening this week, because I'm not such a big head to say that my movies are better than his, nor is he such a big head to say his movies are better than mine. However, I am a big enough head to say, Scott Mendelssohn, you're a cunt. <laughs> in, case, in case you didn't hear that earlier. <laughs> so okay, number 10, I'm going with the man called Wesley Snipes, Blade. Yeah, great shout. Yeah, great shout. Do you know what? It, it's this was comic book oh, movies before we even. <laughs> but this is no. But again, it's yeah. all respecting how the list was built. Yeah, yeah. Last time, and I just have it on the list, and I was like, damn. Blade's yeah. a great shout. Yeah, fucking great shout. So, do you know what? Blade is the comic book comic book movie that everyone watched, not knowing they were watching a comic book. Movie. Correct, and that's what I love about it even more. I remember it came out at the right time, and there was a lot of vampire fervor yeah, around, and yeah. people were like, "Oh, cool!" Like a a, a, a black vampire, and, like, <laughs> and it was nice. And, and he just loves vampires. <laughs> the story of Blade is enough to catch you in. Yeah, a man who's half vampire, half man. Who, a vampire who can walk in the day who's on a mission and, and let's be honest but still has all the cravings for vampire thirst but doesn't indulge yeah. it's like yeah and let's just be honest you had Wesley Snipes looking badass doing Wesley Snipes shit it was enough to draw everyone he's in. so fucking quick isn't he yeah bro isn't, like, he just, isn't he just and yeah it was enough and I remember you, you, I'm sure you're one of the few who would agree with me that when it all started and I saw the Marvel side I was like huh yeah <laughs> huh Okay, but it still didn't even register. Mm. You know, there were just some stuff you see that you just appreciate, and I was too young to really be paying attention. However, it was a film. It, it's yeah. Deacon. It was a hell of a film. Yeah. Deacon Frost was a fantastic villain. I like Stephen Dorff. That's it. Yeah. Um, no, I liked everything about it, and I liked the way that with it, yeah, obviously it's 
as comic book fans, we all know that it's stuck to the comic book rule relatively well. But if Apart you were the fact that it's not British, correct. <laughs> but if you were a vampire fan watching this movie, you'd still be able to draw a lot of contrasts to like things like Dracula and shit like that. You know, he had his you know vampire bitches around yeah, him, so to yeah. speak. He had his henchmen. There was. You you could it had in it had everything to appease to a comic book fan and a vampire fan. and to a vampire fan yeah. and just a casual cinema fan an action fan yeah it just has that mix for everyone and I was just like yeah yeah and it's just that that final fight scene when once Blades drunk some blood and yeah. he goes full Wesley Snipes <laughs> I was wearing the line. Frost! The Some line just. Fuckers. <laughs> Always trying to escape. Get uphills. And that was the line. So like, good. Yeah. But it just made Blade the badass that he was. And as so you said, do you know what's really unfortunate with Blade? Right? Is that by the Blade time. Blade 3 happened. Yeah. And this is the thing is that you've got, as you said, there were all these bits that if you're into vampires and Dracula. So but on paper, you're like, Blade's gonna take on Dracula. You're like, oh my days, this is it. Yeah. No, it, no, wasn't. it wasn't. No, it wasn't. And it's was like, how? It wasn't even fucking R-rated at that stage. You went PG-13. Oh, and that, I can tell you, worries me. Because the one with Mahershala Ali is gonna be PG-13. That worries me. Because if there was ever, like, you know, we've shown now, like, Joker, Logan, we've Deadpool, we've shown that comic book movies can make bucks. Yeah. But I guess if they want Blade to be in the MCU... But there are some stuff you just have to appreciate for what they are. And that's just the way I look at it. I'm just thinking... Because do you know what it is? It's like the remakes that have come out from Disney, right? People are so attached to the animation that the new digital animation, I will call it. I won't call it live action. But the digital animations and some live actions just don't pull on the same heartstrings. And now here we have... People who are going nuts. Everyone's been saying, where's Blade? Where's Blade? Where's Blade? Yeah. Here Blade is coming back and then you've neutered Blade. I was like, no, no, this is Blade. It's like the same fact that you know Logan had to be R-rated because it's let Wolverine roar. Let him loose. Yeah. It's the same with Blade. There are certain things... It's like saying, okay, we're going to make a PG-13 Lobo movie. No. No. No, 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 no. no. Don't do Fuck that. No. 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 Certain things no. have to honour the age group and you know oh shit Lobo even less than Blade you don't make Lobo <laughs> PG-13 you can't he you... literally rapes a grandmother's neck breaks her neck so she doesn't escape keeps her alive and then oh no 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 it just can't be done you know all the sword wielding and everything and trying to numb that down just to put Blade in there when quite frankly Blade doesn't need to be in the MCU he doesn't but I could see Blade and Deadpool together having a bit of fun then we have MD. Blade, Deadpool, and Wolverine. <laughs> the knives. <laughs> yeah, no. the Blade Squad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, these are the sort of stuff that you're working with. Make it older, something to a, to a piece of the older generation. Yeah, right, Scott Mendelson. Yeah, adult. Yeah, adult. <laughs> but it's comic book based. So yeah, Blade. I'm not going to let that go. <laughs> just no, just so well aware, this will be a recurring theme. This is all good. When you're that much of a cunt, you get called a cunt a few times. Cunt. (laughs) Number nine. The first of three times you'll be... Is it three times? Yeah, first of three times you'll be hearing this man's name. Jim Carrey, Liar Liar. (laughs) You better get ready for some shit. (laughs) I'm all good with that. That's why I'm making sure they're here. Nah, nothing but fun with this. It's one of the stuff as a kid that you really appreciate. And a lot of this you will see is very... 
nostalgic. I think there's only one film that's very new, actually, in this okay. list. Um, but when you're talking about all-time favourites, I, I just I always think of that warming feeling I had as a kid appreciating cinema. And this is one of those stories, a kid who wishes that his dad, who's a lawyer, would tell the truth. Mm. And it's just the fun that you will get from Jim Carrey at all times <laughs> I think that's my best way of highlighting it you know he, he, he will do everything possible because he is just such a compulsive liar and even down to writing a lie he's, in, he's unable to do and every way that you think this man may have found a curveball life just won't allow it <laughs> and yeah had, had a great laugh of liar 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 is a defining comedy of the 90s. It really oh, yeah. is. It's Jim Carrey at his physical comedy best. Yeah. I just, the thing I'll never forget is 19, I can't remember if it was 93 or 94, but that year of Jim Carrey, when one it's year he did, no, in one year he did Pet Detective, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber. In one fucking year. It's like, I, like, I mean, we've said earlier in season one like has there ever been an actor like that to which I very promptly responded Roland <laughs> yeah. Deadpool 2 Avengers and Sicario 2 is like okay maybe maybe <laughs> yeah. that's a great show mate okay three times huh okay <laughs> number eight The Professional aka Leon <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> Get woke, motherfucker. Most of this list will be on that. I, I, I don't deny. What can I say about this? You see, this is what I would call my the watching action when you weren't allowed to be watching these films. You know, the film was a fifteen. You should not be watching this at fifteen either. <laughs> <laughs> it's an eighteen. Yeah, it should it's be an eighteen. eighteen. It, 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 it's Natalie Portman's first movie. Mm-hmm. Jean-Renaud just owning the part of the... Jean-Renaud being a badass the way I don't think people were aware he could do. No, it's true. It's true. Like, you think badass is you do not think Jean-Renaud. But do you know then what? you see he... this and you're like, ah. And I think this might have been the first, if not... No, I think it was the first. I think that's what it did after. I could be right over. I'm not sure. But either way, I was like, hmm. There's something intimidating. It, it's always set the tone for me now that this guy can be intimidating. Mm. This guy is intimidating and he's serious. And yeah. It's a great story, Leon. Story of an assassin living. You see, it is next New door. York, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's literally that, isn't it? It's the assassin next door. It's. <laughs> Forget the girl next door. This is the girl. The assassin next yeah. door. Yeah. Who just. Went, and poor Natalie Portman's. What is it? Were they. It's her family. All yeah, they all wiped out. Was it. But they in with the drug, mm-hmm. yeah. And they don't pay their peas. They don't pay their money. And this is our ultimate bent cop. Who? <laughs> how can I describe this? I, I love the way he just transforms from good guy to bad guy. Oh, it's like a click, switch, isn't it? It's like a click of a finger. You could just see him entering that zone, and it's just like, <laughs> oh. Dear. And it's, again, it's, you just see a policeman doing his job, and then it just goes very dark. You know the room gets very really dark. Quickly. <laughs> You're like, oh sugar, someone, someone's in trouble. Yeah, someone's in trouble. And yeah, you know, to this day, one of the movie moments I remember that still scares—not scares me, but still sends shivers down my spine—is when they've moved into the family's house and they're proceeding to kill everyone. And there's, I think, it's the father who's left, 
and Gary Oldman literally that you, you remember those beads hanging yeah, yeah. Yeah. and he sort of gently puts his hand comes in, in such a disturbed like, way isn't it? but it's like a revelation isn't it it's like the devil cometh here yeah. I am yeah. it's, it's literally like that it's it's, oh, it, it's chilling it's, it's, it's chilling it's very the chilling. ease with which he does that yeah. man. Oldman is he's, he's in the zone yeah he really is in that film when's he not to be no it, this is it this is why we ordered him when we did but you know and it's so it's young Matilda who has approached Leon her neighbour who she discovers as an assassin yeah she just she wants her revenge <laughs> yeah and what a journey what a story yeah yeah yeah, and a nice shout out to some old movies in there, like when she's doing all of the. I'm singing in the rain. Ah, Jim Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah. See, history, Scott Mendelson. Adult films. <laughs> so that that's my number eight. Over to you. I like it. Right, my number ten. You must know this is coming, given that it didn't come on last year, and how much you've heard me speak about it. And I know I'm going to upset. Half the people and half the people are going to be like, oh, well, we agree with you so much. La La Land. Yes. Had to be. Yes, yes, yes. Had to go on there. (laughs) Ah, there's part of me that wants to quote back to... Because I had to double check my list. I had to make sure I did it. Yeah. Okay, good. We did see it. Well, Mm. come on. Mm. But there was one part that I remember in... um, I actually thought this was your number one. It, I, I played I actually with the thought idea. this was number one last year and then what came about was what of all time I remember because I remember how much appreciation you had yeah. for it and it was a number 10 and it wasn't there and then oh, I'm spoiling it yeah if you, you want to go back you go back if not you're getting the spoiler now and your exact line was if we had a top 11 La La Land would be my mm. 11 so here it is yeah so <laughs> I'm not a man of my word <laughs> Look, do you know what it is? Is that in hindsight of looking at everything else on my list, it's like La La Land was not not going to make the list twice. It had to be on there. But, oh shit. You put that out of my head now. <laughs> Fuck. Hey, you said if it was an 11, it's 11. It doesn't mean... Uh, do you know, let, let's put one thing in this, right? And you can agree with me, you can disagree with me. These are your all-time favourites. These are also an honourable list, right? Yes. So it's not the ultimate favourite. There isn't a way of directly putting... It's like saying, oh, you know, oh, I've got a best friend. Oh, but which one's your main best friend? Like, no. You you have certain <sighs> things. Fuck, mate, do you know what? You know, you, you've talked me out of it. I'm shoving it. You're absolutely fucking right. I'm not being true to myself here. So, you know La La Land's on the list. It's going way higher. Okay, so you punted yourself. Yeah. Okay, interesting. All right, so we'll, we'll go to what my actual number 10 is. Okay. Um, there's a first for you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but no, mate. But you—it's not number eleven, um, but way higher. Okay. I'm not being honest with myself. You're fucking absolutely right. Although I think I'm being too honest with myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I put Let's, you in your own personal battle. Yeah, 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 that. mate. I'm conflicted as fuck at the moment. Okay. Yes, it does belong there. Okay, that's where it belongs. Cool. Cool. Number ten, actual number ten. We'll get there now. American Beauty. Nice. Nice. Adore this film. I think this film, in your mid to late teens, if you see it like when I did, because you know before that it's all cartoons and blockbusters. That's what kids like, you know, Scott. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what kids like. When you get start to develop your tastes and without necessarily wanting to, you'll see movies like The Green Mile did for me. You know, that open your eyes to cinema being a much more powerful medium than just. Yeah. Pure Isle, 
um, puerile, lowest common denominator entertainment. Yeah. American Beauty really opened my eyes to indie movies. Because for all intents and purposes, despite the very good cast, you know, Spacey, Mina Savari, having someone like, to be fair, I say someone like Sam Mendes directing, this was his first fucking film. Yeah. Um, having Chris Hooper in there and, you know, bushy eyebrows wasn't big then. Um, this, for all intents and purposes, and Anna Benning too, let's not forget her, for all intents and purposes, this was an indie film. You know, it was a good... It was a good taste, I think, of sort of anti-Americana because yeah. whereby it's all sort of, it's all white picket fences, perfect suburbia life. Actually, you know, you pull back the layers a little bit, and it's not quite that. And there's a lot more going on on an individual character level. Um, and I love the way that this man sort of has, for lack of a better word, I guess, a midlife crisis, and everyone else is kind of just along for the ride with him. Yeah and it makes him a bit selfish but ultimately also makes him a better person he tries to be a better father but because he's built up so much resentment from his daughter and family over the years of not being a better person they now don't they're not interested they don't buy into it um, he's starting to have fantasies about younger girls you know it is a full on midlife crisis um, but he, he's just coming from a place of I don't give a fuck yeah I've got to a place where life sucks enough that I'm just going to do me and you've got to applaud that but it is so beautifully it, shot it, it, yeah and it, it has it got I was told fantastic yeah and it has got one of the best soundtracks I think ever put to film it, it's just wonderful I'd have to go back on the soundtrack it's been a while since so I've good the, it, it's a weird one because each song sounds quite similar to the last but then when you hear them played together they've all got very much got their own feel like you know and of course you've got that famous scene with the plastic bag yeah, you know, yeah, how yeah. do you make a plastic bag beautiful watch this movie yeah watch this movie and if you think oh it's so pretentious it's like well you don't appreciate art that's me being pretentious to you <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number nine Scorsese had to be in there it was Casino last year with number ten this is the antithesis obviously number nine Goodfellas <sighs> had to, no, had no, to. There's, there's no there's no arguing with these films at any point no. um, and Goodfellas much like the way American Beauty opened my eyes into indie each of these films opened my eyes into something you could do with film on this particular top ten Goodfellas is one scene and it's not a dialogue it's nothing like that it's something that happens and you don't realise that it's happening until about three quarters of the way through and you're like holy shit this is happening and it's still happening it's that scene when Henry Hill takes his new girlfriend in the back exit into the into not the casino into the nightclub yeah and it's all one shot it's one continuous yeah, shot yeah, yeah. it's from the taxi down the stairs through the fucking restaurant uh, through the, uh, the the kitchen which is big yeah him saying hello to everyone you know everything moving around him moving out onto the club floor camera panning up to the and you realise when you get out onto the club floor it's like this is all one take holy shit yeah. how have they done this yeah. like if you really put your mind and think the fucking choreography that went into this you know people talk ballet this is ballet with a fucking lens it's true you know it's what true. I mean it's true and it's like you get out onto the club floor and then they rearrange the tables and then it pans up to the stage and then it pans back down to him and they're still rearranging the tables and you're like 
how have you done this? You know, and it's and it's obviously made a mark on a lot of people. You know, um, um, Inuritu who did Birdman, the whole movie was shot as one take. You can't tell me he didn't watch Goodfellas and think that's cool. Yeah. You know, 1917, that movie we're all looking forward to, ironically directed by Sam Mendes, all done as one take. So that is something powerful. And the moment you see that, you kind of go, huh. Maybe I'm interested in cinematography as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it opens, opens your, your eyes, eyes up to something so else. Obviously, let's talk about the fucking narration. <laughs> <laughs> One of the greatest gangster films of all time. We both agreed that this was Scorsese's yeah. greatest work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, true story of the Lufthansa heist <laughs> and Jimmy Conway progressively knocking off every single member of who is involved in that heist. Who fucks up and doesn't listen to him? Yeah. I told you not to spend money. You showing up here with a new fucking Cadillac and your wife wearing a fucking mink around her, f- her neck. Are you fucking crazy? You know? Yeah. <laughs> the, the shoe shine scene. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah. There's, I don't know if you heard Tommy. I died. The Tommy don't shine shoes no more. Go back home and get your fucking shine box. Motherfucker, you. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, and, and the little details, like when they're all in prison and they're making food and he's like, and we used to use razor blades to slice the garlic yeah, super yeah, thin yeah. so it melts. You know, you can taste that garlic. You yeah, can it's, taste it's, that bolognese. It's descriptive. Right? Yeah, oh, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's, no, it, it's, it's a top movie. It really is. And it's such a, a, a riches to rags story. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? And it's a rise and a fall all in the scope of one movie. It is a crime epic. It's epic. Um, my number eight... So a lot of people say that this is kind of like the, the cousin of the Green Mile. Um, you know why I'm going. The Shawshank Redemption. Not on your list. No. no. Interesting. Interesting. I thought I this one would have made it. it. Bearing in mind that at the time that this list was made, I hadn't seen Shawshank. Oh, shit. Yeah. At the time that this list was made, I hadn't seen Shawshank. Um, you fixed this problem, yes? Yes. Yes. we done... I think I fixed it in time for three-hour movies. Or and when it wasn't a three-hour movie. Well done. <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but Shawshank came on my list for one of the films that okay, we covered. good, good. No idea what it was. I can't so remember good. which one. Really good. So good. Really, really good. I completely understand why a lot of people say this is their favourite film of all time. Yeah, so many people have said it. And that's what hurt me that I knew I hadn't seen it. And then sometimes, you know, you, you jump on board and you're like, oh, God, yeah. really? What's the hype? This one didn't do that. I, I was no, really no, taken no, no, no. on like, this. Is a, this is a, a good movie. You know, it, it's a great you can, movie. You can, you, you follow. There, there aren't moments of boredom. You understand the story. It's not it's something to just appreciate you know yeah. there was some stuff that are just too up its own ass. yes uh, no this film is Scott Mendelson. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll stop now no, no, hey, continue as much as you have to this is what we do this is, this is what we do this is why people click subscribe probably why he's clicked unsubscribe but that's a different story fuck him cunt <laughs> you're still here <laughs> seriously <laughs> but yeah um, no but I really, really did appreciate this film. It's really funny because I think last year you thought this was my number one. I just said no. I didn't admit that I hadn't seen Shawshank. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and um, motherfucker, yeah. you. <laughs> no, but um, I, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. You know, it's um, it's really funny because Tim Robbins isn't one of those actors that I. No, but he'll always be remembered of, yeah, for this. Of course, hundred percent, hundred percent. He is typecast for life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't this? Um, 
But no, I think it's one of those stories, you know, everyone loves a prison movie. That seems to be a universal truth, because we're getting, we're almost getting a sort of perverse insight into a world that yeah. we hopefully never Trying see. to right? avoid, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Prison scares all of us. I don't care who you are, no one wants to go to prison. Yeah. Right? No one wants to go to a prison like this. Or any prison, I appreciate that. But no prison like this. And it really, like... Man, it puts you it puts you right in his shoes, doesn't it? Everything from the way that they've got to conform to the way the prison runs to him basically just trying to get through without making waves and you realise that shit ain't possible to making friends for life, to being raped, to um, dealing, do, doing dirty deeds with the warden, to actually getting respect from a lot of the guards when they realise actually you're a smart motherfucker. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then you know you find out that he's been actually wrongly imprisoned that it's real and you know your heart sinks it's like oh god shit yeah, yeah. shit such yeah. a film it was it was like, I remember watching it I was like damn yeah yeah it took me a while but damn no you know sometimes sometimes you hate yourself for not seeing it to me I think I saw it at the right time and I just think like I've done it tit and I'm happy you yeah. know there's something you can be like what the Fuck you guys. But this one wasn't, it wasn't that. It was Motherfucker, you Yeah. Yeah, this was all good. Yeah, number seven. Jumanji. The original. Is it? The original Jumanji. Quick tangent question. Are you even considering seeing the new one? I will see it. Oh, do you know what? Uh, where were we this time last year? I was We'd working. seen the new one. No, no, no. I was working. I'm just trying to... Do you know what it is? There was the self-employed me and there's the employed me. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I, 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 I shouldn't delve too much into my life like this, but I, I will. And I think the self-employed me would say, you know what? Fuck it. I'll take today off and I'll go to cinema. Yeah. Now there's a thing called annual leave and you're like, I need to time this right. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. So there's a part of me that's like, when I've got spare time, but I've used up all my annual leave, so it's not like there are other films trumping this will I watch it eventually yes maybe but I'm not no I will see it I will see yeah. it but I'm not rushing to the cinema to see it this can easily come on TV and mm. I will catch it if I catch TV, it TV I that, catch it yeah I, it comes before that I catch it before that but I'm not like I'm not oh, rushing out to see it out and, no you know can I tell you the more I reflect on the one that came out last year or the year before more I'm disappointed by it because it should not have been called Jumanji you could have had a really really fun movie with The Rock and Jack Black and Kevin Hart in the jungle and Karen Gillian sorry in the jungle um but I mean Jumanji's sacred to a lot of people as you are demonstrating and the way that they tried to they actually did make the ballsy move of tying it in and that's what annoyed me you know when you got the whole Alan Parrish was here it's like yeah but guys this jungle jungle you are showing me now is almost like a comedy jungle this is nothing to do with the scary fucking place that he described there are things it's, that haunt you in the night I didn't see any of that you see when you get to the Alan Parrish was here yeah you it's it a takes you out but it, it's a different jungle to what the rest of the film had right now is it that Alan was there and was too scared to delve further then possibly you've tied it in but there was nothing up until that point but this which is the would thing. have scared the him world... the way that he described but I'm just saying maybe had he landed there as opposed to where they landed maybe and 
again, bear in mind that Jumanji changed from a board game to a video game, so that he had, they've all got this guided tour like you do in your old school 90s video games, whereas a board game would I have didn't landed in. That, fair play. You know, a, a, a board game would have been, you've landed here, you're in the jungle, because each part of Jumanji that could have potentially sucked you in from a board. Sorry, just quick tangent. Yeah, yeah. I oh, we're on passed, a tangent. <laughs> I passed um, Mankind. Recently, and they had the board game of Jumanji, and I was like, nostalgia hit me really? such a bit. And I was like, maybe I need to buy this because I've yeah. always wanted to. But going into the realm of the arc of Jumanji, where it's not written anywhere, but we'll go with it. Mm. We don't know what happens if you land on a speci- any specific point of the board. We've just seen what the film shows us, or what the video game has shown us of yeah. landing. Could it be that landing and another part of the board game? would have taken you to another part of the Jumanji world which is parts of what we've seen Alan landed in the jungle we don't have no film has enough time to link them enough oh but yeah, no, that's fair that's fair I appreciate and, that within and, this board game there may be a big world yeah. but no what I'm getting at is that the whole tone of this rock completely Jumanji, different so wrong like Jumanji for all intents and purposes was a horror movie Fiction, in kids yeah. film rapping yeah um, Jumanji and what's really funny is that in Jumanji the one I'm talking about the Robin yeah. Williams classic we had the world of the board game the horrors of the yeah. board game brought into our world yeah now you've gone into their world and it's rainbows and unicorns I get that basically or it's that, just some that animals is, that, is, that is more that in that sense it is offensive but I think what they it's really weird as I said you've got that 90s video game of hi welcome doctors da 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 yeah mm. you've got that part and I think they played on the fact that we're not a board game anymore we're a video game like here okay. you've been bitten by a hippo you've been mauled by a hippo you've come back to life two lives left so you're working on the aspect of a video even game even the deaths even the deaths very comical very comical but do you know what and I will say this and I have said this time and time again this but generation to cake. Yeah, come those, on. those are stupid. But I will say this, and I, you proved me wrong last time. I think we have had to train your dragon. But I don't think this generation are built the way we were. We were exposed to a lot more. I wouldn't say graphical truths because none of those are right. But we would be given stuff to see as kids that you don't really put it this way we saw Littlefoot's mum die we yeah. saw Bambi's mum die yeah we saw Mufasa die mm. yeah the challenges of that now are let it Anna, go yeah Anna and Elsa's parents have vanished on a boat ride mm. Moana's grandmother's passed you know the, even, the devs, even the Maleficent remake I've raised this repeatedly you know the in the in Sleeping Beauty the curse that's put on Aurora is on the eve of her 16th birthday, she will prick her finger on the spindle of a spinning wheel and die. That's what Maleficent puts on her, yeah. right? In the Maleficent remake, the, the live-action Maleficent, she says, on the eve of her 16th birthday, she will prick her finger on the spindle of a spinning wheel and fall into a deep sleep. It's like, even that, they're, they're really... It's, so, And I think by that nature... They're cleaning it. Yeah, everything is too... The, the world is too... So, I, I don't say this in a bad way. I, I, don't, I don't want to bring wrestling into this, right? 
But I remember watching a documentary where Shawn Michaels was talking. He goes, "I know what you're going to DX worked because we were angrier back then. You you reflect what the world is like, yeah. In this world, everything is a lot softer and afraid to delve into certain areas. Yeah. And I think that's why, by that definition, to us, we instantly get offended. Like this isn't Jumanji. I had fun with it because I looked at it of how do you because to me Jumanji is a film of its own how yeah. do you expand on this and that's why when it said the game evolves yeah. I'm like okay it's not a board game anymore it's a video game mm. this is what you've given me yeah that's how Jumanji works if you want so it is Jumanji too but it's because the game itself has evolved sure if you're looking for Jumanji part 2 I don't think you can get it in this generation no and you need to go back to a board game type route of Spin of the dice. This is it. This one is a video game. Because remember, and a board game, you may look at how long Alan was gone. Mm. You may not necessarily accomplish it. Most video games, you have three lives. This, that, and it, it, there are different ways. Don't get me wrong. You do have to finish a board game, but how many times? So we agree that this new Jumanji iteration doesn't touch the original. No, that's why. I mean, okay, this this was made before um, it's, it's not the same it's, it's, it's different not. it's different and as you said, it's childhood horror these are the stuff that we took on you have someone like Robin Williams who will give you a serious performance yeah a serious performance he will give you the giggles that you needed but he also scared you when you needed yeah like when he grabs Peter when Peter's trying to do reverse psychology on him remember when they're in the kitchen yeah. And he's like, oh, we'll go set up the book game. You don't have to play. It's okay. You're afraid. It's okay to be afraid. Ah, no, no, no. You don't know what you're getting into here. And he goes serious. He's got that fucking yeah. switch, Williams. Because I know I'm going to hear... I, I can hear people down the radio wave saying, yeah, but it's a comedy. And Robin... Of course, these new ones are a comedy. The original was a comedy. Robin Williams was in it. Ha ha. It was fun. It's like, no, it wasn't. Okay, it was a Just comedy. You, but where's that? No, it wasn't. Sense? I don't think it's the original Jumanji was okay, a comedy. No, it had, okay, it had, it had comedic moments. Moment. This is it, this is very true. But even if you wanted to play that, where's the dark side then in the new one? This isn't, that's no, my but issue. Just, but this is what I'm saying, if we're going to play it like for like and say, oh, it was a comedy, there was a comedy. So, Bro, the where were the nasty had, plants? Where were the freaky spiders? Where were the earthquakes? Where were the fucking crocodiles? There's too much missing. There is too much missing for it to be a direct... Where were the monkeys and the nasty mosquitoes? Do you know what I think was a bigger letdown though than Jumanji? Goosebumps. I thought oh, Goosebumps, no. Goosebumps really shut the bed. That that should have been Jumanji 2.0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. should have been the one to give you those little chills and that, and it just Goosebumps should have been genuinely scary. Yeah, like those books. I'm sorry, those books scared me as a kid. But, here we go. But even take this. Let's go back again. Even if you didn't read the books, you watched the TV series on Nickelodeon. You had this. You had oh, you're afraid of the dark. You had stuff to give you the shivers. Where are these stuff now? It's a different world. You won't get a nightmare before Christmas now. No. No. That's true. It's a different world. And, and that's, that's why Jumanji is where it's at. I like it. You're number six? Number two for Mr. Carey. All right. Ace Ventura. All right. All right. <laughs> oh, mate. Pet detective or when nature calls? I'll put Ace Ventura right here. And as much as I want to say when nature calls, I'm going to lean to pet detective because okay. this is where my love for this guy started. I remember sure. putting this video in. And I, I remember like, I remember the confusion and what always got to me about this film was it's this guy who has a Tintin hairstyle. I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this, right? Like, where is he going with this Tintin hairstyle? And then the film starts and he's dressed as a UPS delivery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what? But he's meant to be a pet detective. What's going on? And then you start to see the madness unfold within and he starts a minute. Kicking it. Yeah. Kicking it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds broken. Doing? 
highly likely so. <laughs> exactly. Even the time like the lift. I bet it was something <laughs> nice. I bet it was something nice too. <laughs> Such a and you, you just can tell he's annoying, just like our friend. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you can tell he's annoying at the fact that he's giving like he's got no care and you're like, no delivery driver does this. And like, That's a nice dog. Do you mind if I play with him? But this guy, you can tell he's not in the mood. Yeah. yeah he exactly. just yeah, about yeah. appreciates his song in here and Uji Boo. Uji Boo that is what we call a loser. Loser. And then the baseball bat, like, Psh! and then he's trying to start the car. And it's, it's alive! It's alive! It was just enough to be like, who is this guy? And that's where the whole Ace Ventura Oh, and, and then Jim the hottie with the massive titties comes into play, and she's like, would you like, how can I ever thank you, Mr. Ventura? So, well, I've, I've sustained substantial damage to my car. I've used a bonnet and the glass definitely needs replacing. Would you like me to take your pants off instead? All right, Gee, uh, let me think. Ham, sure. <laughs> People are sure friendly, right? <laughs> well. <laughs> That was enough. That oh, was enough. mate, yeah, it's fucking. Yeah. You don't get comedy don't, like that now. Fuck Will Ferrell, really? Like, oh, he's better than Jim Carrey. It's chalk and cheese. It's chalk and cheese. They, are, they don't deserve to be in the same conversation. No, never. Like, no, no, I'm sorry. Jim Carrey was a once in a lifetime gift. Really? Honestly, that, that's the only way I can word it. Like, you can't. It, you get Will Ferrell who tries to do it and it's like dude yes you're an adult acting like a kid which is what Jim essentially got away with but Jim but, didn't act like a kid Jim did physical comedy yeah you don't just, see kids going around going like a glove they yeah, don't get that, that. there's it's a true. certain yeah. level of intelligence it despite was. And the fact this is that the it's thing. delivered in a wacky yeah. way it's wacky that's it it's wacky it's not childish it's wacky yeah. Ferrell is childish and yeah. it's like Dude, it's just not working. Mm. Santa! No! Santa! No! No! Go to hell! <laughs> yeah, it's... it's just, oh. oh, I hate him. <laughs> but this has been well documented. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone knows this about the silver screen dudes. But, no, that, that power of Jim was mm. born there. Yeah. And I remember that at this point... There's another film coming. I know we're going to discuss it. But I had every film he made come out and I remember my parents had their um, this is VHS collection mm. yeah and I had it and I used to take my videos I would watch them all the time I don't know why I kept doing it but I'd take the pack of videos away and I'd realign them this is the order he made it in then I'd probably rearrange it another way but it was just the Jim Carrey collection yeah right? yeah yeah and I just yeah. wanted to continue building it because of the, what he meant to me yeah man I feel that so that was yeah that was your search yeah indeed it was man this is a long episode <laughs> shit uh, my number seven I think we should speed it up ever so slightly but cool. my number seven is my favourite French film of all time La N. nice had yes. to go in there shot in black and white shot by Matthew Kessel during the Paris riots of the 90s starring an 18 year old Vincent Cassel um and it was wonderful. It just showed... This was a film that needed to be made because it showed the strife and turmoil that France and Paris were in at the time. And what was so funny is that whereby 
the riots all started because one of the estate kids was shot by the police and there was constant documentation of police brutality. Hey, at least it's not just in America. It seems to be everywhere. Yeah. Um, although most of us have moved beyond past that. <laughs> America. That's <laughs> um, no, true. Our police don't carry guns anymore. No. <laughs> it stays. It's not guns. They work. It's a weird thing. You should try them. Um, but, yeah, it, what was so fascinating is that you had this kind of juxtaposition between the really wealthy and the estate kids and it was essentially the estates rising up and going yo enough but then it also gave such a middle finger to French sociopolitics at the time because this was at a time where that you know that other prick Marie Le Pen was coming into power and the fascist party nearly came into power this movie was a kind of middle finger to that movement because it showed that even with all this rioting going on hey who are your three central protagonists a white Jew an Arabian and a black guy from Central Africa you know all sorts of different varieties of cultures and races going on there and you know what they're all friends because it shows that when you come together against a common enemy in this case police brutality race don't matter yeah. because it comes down to one bottom common denominator thing we're all people exactly and that's what Latin is about hate breeds hate yeah. and hate when channeled correctly can also bring people together this is the truth this is the truth and it does represent that in this film You're so perfectly good. fucking such a good film um, yeah and don't be put off if you don't speak French it is available subtitled I don't suggest you listen to it dubbed sometimes I think you lose the magic in that you do I, I think yeah you can't capture because there's certain things like the way that the estate kids of the 90s in Paris spoke you know like any you know street slang there's what was the bon américain du calme hein, du calme you know there's a there's, you need to, you need there's to get tone yeah here. which yeah ouais ouais ta mère suce des ours <laughs> still one of the best insults I've ever heard fuck off your mother blows bears it's like what <laughs> that wouldn't translate well in no, English no, subtitled it'll probably make you laugh like huh okay, what oh is that what they get up to in France <laughs> <laughs> but, no it's true I'm just going back to another French film I don't want to mention it just in case it comes up but um no French film's coming up so you're safe Taxi I, I saw it dubbed yeah I know you just, did it just didn't it just doesn't work no, it doesn't. It doesn't work. You of need, course it doesn't. You need the actual French just to head a tone in its natural state. And then from there you can read the subtitles. Yep. I, I've done that with... Was it a Thai movie? I think it was Thai. called Bodyguard. There was... I can't remember. Tony Jaa and Dolph Lundgren? It was a comedy. It has comedy. Okay. I think Tony Jaa's in it as well. But um, yeah, you, you just watch it it, you, you take the tone and just read read along and appreciate it for what it is you know I, that, that's just my view on subtitles it sometimes helps to have the original just to get the natural essence yeah of yeah of course you need it you need it yeah. so don't be put off by the subtitles guys I really suggest going to track down La, la N spelled La L-A and N H-A-I-N-E really go and search this one out my number six uh, The Breakfast Club Aha. I think watching this as a teen it is such almost like a self-aggrandizing justification to your sense of being in life because 
every single different stereotype of school life is portrayed in this film. Can I be honest? And I'm You've never seen The Breakfast Club. I start, and this is this is one of those things. Bear with me one second because I do want to double check this. Do double check away. While you're doing that, Breakfast Club starring the original Brat Pack with the likes of Molly Ringwald. Original? Adichidi. Is there a replacement? Brat. Brat. Brat no, I know, pack, it's, not yeah. Rat Pack. No, you said original Brat Pack. Is there a new set? That, um, no, I was just wondering. Maybe just uh, said it. Yeah. should have used the word original. Shut up. <laughs> but yeah, Molly Ringwald, Ali Sheedy, Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, and um, Judd Nelson. Each of these kids, or actors, I should say, is playing a different school stereotype. I found that school stereotypes are much more of an American thing than a than a European thing. Although mm-hmm. we did have them here, um, there was no, they were never. I a, think it's more cliquey in the states, though. More cliquey and more pronounced. Like you know, the guys in our school, the guys who were good at sports, yeah, they used to hang out together. But you know, in America, they've got like the jock jackets. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. it's like, I'm a sporto. It's yeah. like then you got your cheerleaders. You got your got cheerleaders, and you got. You know, your rebels who are wearing, you know, big boots and big coats and things yeah. like that. And you've got your geeks who are wearing really tight chinos. And, you know, it's yeah. very defined and pronounced. Yeah. 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 And the Breakfast Club tapped into that. And what was fascinating, a lot like Latin, is it showed that although this obviously didn't deal with race, but it did show that although people on the surface appear different... You know what happens? We're all people. Put Yeah, we're all people and leave these very different people... In a room for six, seven hours, watch them come together and bond. It's a weird one. And that's what I think is so magical because inherently as people, as human beings, we crave the love and attention and validation of other human beings. So when you put people who are so different in a room together, sooner or later they will connect, they will bond, there will be a commonality that they find and that's what John Hughes, director of this film, showed so well. Yes, they've got, there's the common evil and I use the term evil very loosely in quotation marks but it's, you know, it's the teacher, isn't it? It's, uh, I think he's called Mr. Verner. Don't quote me on that. Possibly. I I think it's him. Um, But yeah, he's a common evil because he's the reason that they're supposedly all in detention. And then, you know, there's some depth added to it. You find out why they're all in detention and you find out that what you see... Surprise, surprise. What you see on the surface actually isn't the reality, you know? Sports boy's got daddy issues, you know? His father pushes him too hard and doesn't actually ever accept him for just the way he is. Molly Ringwald's under the impression that she's got to constantly be perfect. Judd Nelson, guess what? Yeah, he, do you know why he's a bit of a rebel? Because his dad kicks the shit out of him and puts cigars out on his arm at home. Um, you know, the, they, they've all got their issues. Or something, yeah. They've all got their issues. And it really, it's a nice eye-opener. And if you're a bully, watch this film. It's an education. Shows you don't be a dick. So uh, my my part I had to double check was Breakfast Club was on Netflix, and I'm like, I'm finally gonna watch this. Then they removed it when I got. No, of course they fucking did. Netflix is weird with their selections and what they keep and what they get rid of. Yeah. Again, not hating on the product. I love it. I've got my membership. Yeah. But yeah. Can I be honest? I I'm okay with Netflix. It's not. (sighs) It's what we've got. Yeah. I'd be reminisce if we didn't have it. But you won't find me scrolling on Netflix every now and going, oh, I've got to find something new. It's like, no. It's a go-to. It's an extra channel, isn't it? it it's literally it's all it is. For me, it's just, it's just, a, it may as well be Sky Movies Plus. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just another movie stream. 90% of what's on there, we'll probably never watch. True. If not more. 
Uh, but yeah, that was my number six. Trading one apiece. Your number five? Holy okay. shit, we're over an hour in. <laughs> Let's spin it up. Right, my number five? Room. Yeah. This was the new one. This was the, the new the newbie that made Yep. Big film. Big film. Just I remember you recommending this. This was early silver screen days. And oh, like, you, yeah. You, a review... I don't even know if I made it for the review. Yeah, I you did. I did, yeah. Given an I did, five. yeah. And I, I just remember like, yeah, this film, this film's serious. This is a once in a lifetime yeah. film. This is, you know, it was the, the story of Brie Larson who's been kidnapped for, as a young child. Yeah, 17. Yeah, 17. And then, you know, she's just locked in this guy's shed in the back of his yeah. um, garden. And he molested her all the time, you know, and then she has a child. Yeah. Paid by the amazing young Jacob Tremblay. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's how they survive, encapsulated in the room because mm. that's that's life to them, yeah. and how they plot their escape, and how they adapt outside of that. Room is incredible. The thing that moved me so much about Room was the way it showed the different outlook, not because of age, but because of scope of life by these two characters. Yeah. Brie, like, put yourself in Brie Larson's shoes in this movie. She has known the world to be, quote-unquote, the world. She's had that taken away from her. How do you pick up pieces of a life you've lost and regain a sense of normality? And contrast that with Jacob Tremblay. His How world is just his room. world has literally been smaller than the size of the room you and me are in at the moment. How can you come to terms with, like, really the things that we take for granted? How can you come to terms with how big the world is when all you've known your life is four walls? And yet, and yet, somehow, there's that scene. It moves me to tears every time. There's that scene where his grandmother's cutting his hair and he's now recognised, okay, this is a member of my family, this is my grandmother, and he says, I love you, Grandma. Yeah. Uh, it's going to set me off now, it nearly just did. It moves me, oh, every fucking time. It's a really touching film. It's wonderful. And I don't know anyone who's watched it and not appreciated it for the art that it is. It's Scott Mendelson, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's two adults. <laughs> Yeah, he's the guy uh, Scott Mendelson. Oh, you know? Okay, cool. Um, yeah, he's he. Yeah, I mean, you've captured it perfectly. It's that two aspects of perception of the world and what you get. And it's, yes, it's a perfect film. It really is. That's why I gave it ten out of ten. Only twice in my life, no, three times in my life have I done that. It is a perfect fucking film. Uh, my number five. Super, super cynically chosen, but it's just because of my great grandmother, The Great Escape. Most people would say, "Yeah, that's a great film." No, 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 that's cynical no, no, choice. This is, why, this is why I'm like looking at you like it's a big film. It is a big film, <laughs> but let's be real. My favorite war film of all time is Apocalypse. Now, this is in the discussion for being in my top five, but. This film, what I think it did, is it showed that there was another dimension to making war movies. Because what do you associate with more war movies? Violence, depending on the war, yeah. you know, Nazism, plane fights, tanks, you know. Yeah. Mechanisms and machinations of war and death and destruction and human beings at the, in their most terrible moments, really. That's what you associate yes. with war. Yeah, right? of course. Agreed. This didn't really do that. 
Like, these guys aren't in a concentration camp. They're in a prisoner of war camp. Yes. The head of the prisoner of war camp, the German general, is actually quite a decent guy. Like, he doesn't want to be there any more than them, and he doesn't subject them to any nastiness. Which is really against the grain for how Hollywood portrays German generals in prisoner of war concentration camps. They're always, you know, think of Ray Fiennes in um, Schindler's List. One of the nastiest cunts ever to be put to film. What does he do in the morning? He wakes up, has a wank, and starts taking pop shots at Jews. You know, this guy literally offers, you know, yeah, it's it's a kind of bribery, but you know, it's an it's an emotional bribery. He offers uh, the the English lieutenant. And he says, "Look, here's some cigarettes. Let's just can we just sit here quietly, see out the war together, and we'll be out of here before you know it, right? Let's just be cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't want no trouble. <laughs> he may as well have said, I don't want any trouble here. It's war. This is what we've got to do. He's got a job to do to make sure that none of them escape, and sadly, he's you know, between a rock and a hard place there because he happens to have every single expert escape artist all under <laughs> one roof. Um, but his job ultimately is keep the people in one place. It's not kill them. It's keep the people in one place. Heck, spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, he gets removed for being too soft. Yeah. He's not a bad dude. You actually feel for the guy at the end, like, oh, shit. You know? But what's fascinating is obviously the escape and the fact that this shit happened. Yeah. Yeah. Mental. Yeah, totally true. Mental. Totally true. Yes, time and distance were compressed for the sake of the movie. Well, you have but to, it, yeah, it's impossible. I mean, shit, man. <laughs> they wanted to take 250 people out. And in the space of under two years, they managed to dig three tunnels, fucking build civilian clothes, get fake IDs. <laughs> it's like, what the it's a lot. fuck? It, it, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? It's, it's unreal. And they kept it all, yeah, devised the trousers to get the fucking concrete out. It's like, Jesus! <laughs> you know, that's what happens when you put human beings in this situation where it's like, challenge. Do or die. Yeah, yeah. They fucking went full Barney Stinson. Challenge accepted. It's like, <laughs> shit, man. Your number four. My number four. Um, here we go. My number four. Toy Story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what what, what you needs to be said is Toy Story. Number one? I went with number one okay. just just kicked it off the OG yeah yeah. it's one of those you can sit and debate as to which one continuously but I just thought it kicked it all off and I always remember this I don't know how it could be piracy I could be very wrong but it could have been piracy I remember seeing it at school and the film was like <laughs> fresh and they put the video and I'm like Robert no 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 this is, way, <laughs> this is primary days and we're like, like I didn't see Toy Story I, to this day I still don't know how yeah because it was fresh are you sure Dude, I, I yeah. I'm not, I don't know came how. Out in '95, were we in primary then? Yeah. Well, we must have been, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how, but I remember seeing Toy Story at school and being like, "Oh shit, this is the biggest smile on our face!" Like, oh my god, we're going to see Toy Story, and it just. And I remember seeing that, and it was such an amazing movie, and it was like, "Hey, this was this was big." It was big, and it, it was just bearing in mind this was at the time. That you had one of two styles of anime. This kicked off a new style of animation. It changed for a while, anime forever. Yeah, for a while you had a choice of the computer it's animation or that. And this know, one, yeah, this, yeah, this one. And it was like, wow, this, this was something. This was big. And the rest is history. The rest really is history. It's, it's a great, great story. 
So great, great story. Once again, a good human story at the centre of it. People who don't get along and you put them in that confinement long enough together and they come together. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's a universal human truth. But you know, when we were with Big Picture Film Club, it came out of my mouth then and it never hit me before, but it hit me then and it keeps ringing in my head. Toy Story is like having a younger sibling come into your life, isn't it? You know, that, Mm. that sibling rivalry oh but I was the I had all the attention yeah and, and it just built and it's like well no we're family and it builds and yeah there it is uh, I wouldn't know but I'll no, tell you yeah. <laughs> don't get me wrong you come I, from I, I was, experience yeah, on yeah. the matter I will take your word for it <laughs> two of them followed after me but not to say I had that sibling rivalry to that degree but you see it in films you see it in TV you hear about it you know mm. that kind of the limelight's not necessarily on you, but you are, let's come together. You know, as you said, yeah. it, you put them in a room long enough, you know, people get along. Yeah. That's just it, mate. People get along long enough. You're number uh, four. The punt. The self punt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to be, I didn't punt you, yes. You punted yourself. Land. Do you know what? To say, I did say earlier in this podcast that every single film on this list, and the, the, the grant, true for the three coming above this too, has shown me something about cinema that I didn't think I could appreciate. Much to my great detriment, and I'm angry with myself for this, other than probably the sound of music, and yeah, I'm not counting the Disney movies in this, you know, the animes, Mm. this really opened my eyes up to the magic of what a musical could be, and it's forced me to go back and re-educate myself and read up on other... Sorry, not read up, but watch other musicals that came before it. Which, in one side, is a good thing. But what I loved, what I cannot fucking give this film credit for enough is that although it's all done through song and dance at its core is just the sincerity of human interaction the sincerity of love and giving up love and it's it's the little touches you know that scene when they leave the party together and she's in that famous yellow dress and they do that tap dance scene some the fucking purists which who I can't frankly stand talking to about this movie will be like oh but Mendelssohn Mendelssohn um (laughs) cunt um oh oh, the dance the the, the number wasn't done properly so why did they bother doing it and his hand was at an awkward angle when it should have been flat or her dancing was off point it's like things that I could not give a fuck about because ultimately what that scene is trying to tell me it's not when they're both holding hands and doing a tap dance together it's the little scenes it's when they're sitting down on that bench together and he does sort of brushes up against her and you know her her tippy tappy feet go tap 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 and she slides away and then his feet tap and he crosses his legs in a sort of in a sort of stretch it's those little human emotions that every single one of us have experienced in life brought together through the medium of dance irrespective of what fucking angle his hand is at that's not the important point the important point is that you are seeing real human interactions here through dance now I'm not saying that this film breaks any grounds whereby we haven't seen this before and yeah there's the other cynical argument to be made of ooh two pretty white people going to Hollywood and trying to make it how original sure you can look at it that way I pity, pity you if you do look at it that way Another way of looking at it would be going, you know what? I can relate to that because although I'm not a pretty white person trying to make it in Hollywood, I am 
a person who has got my own dreams and aspirations, which I have had crushed like we all have. That's what the movie's trying to get across. And to say it's boring to do that, I think is blind. Because just because something is universal doesn't make it boring. And the fact that this movie touches on universal themes like love, like rejection, like relationships breaking up, like chasing your dreams, but ultimately the big question being, at what fucking price, makes this movie unfathomably beautiful for me. I can't let it fucking work. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. It's, it's life. It's life. Yeah, it's it's life for a music and it a classic musical which we haven't seen in cinema in a very. They've tried since. The Greatest Showman wasn't as good as this. Just saying. And this year, what do we have? Cats. Moving on. Yeah, moving on because I will be seeing that next week. <laughs> Can I just say ha ha? The pleasures of a relationship. Anyway. To be fair, mind is you heard last year too, so I'm, you're probably gonna. You know, I'm probably gonna be saying a receiving message going, um, ha. <laughs> Back at you, ha. Your number Match three. Point. Uh, number three, the animated Lion King. Okay. Yeah. It's it's one of those. It's 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 just classic. Whether you, I don't know which one you've seen. There's nothing that you can't appreciate with The Lion King. It's it's, no. got, it's got emotion, it's got happiness, it's got sadness. It's We're that- all talking the original, right? Yeah. The 1995 one. I said the animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're both animated! I'm sorry! Yes! We're yes. not doing this not again! digitally animated, just... <laughs> yeah. The original stuff. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah. Um, James L. Jones and James Jeremy Irons. Yeah. The, that that squad Nathan Lane yeah Nathan fucking Lane. <laughs> yeah. yeah that that side Rowan Atkinson Rowan Atkinson yes Whoopi Goldberg yes yes the one that actually says ooh Mufasa say it again <laughs> <laughs> that Mufasa, one Mufasa, Mufasa. <laughs> I remember when I was watching the first the, the new one and I, I was just waiting for it and I was like hey who's the pig <laughs> you talking to me Oh, they called him a pig. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking to me? <laughs> they call me Mr. Pig! <laughs> it was so much fun. How so good, fun. by the way, I told you the one thing in this uh, new anima- animated one, when they when Simba sets them up and goes, live bait. And remember in the original, they break out into that dance? Yeah. How good was that Beauty and the Beast reference? Yeah. So clever. It's very, very, very clever. I was like, how the fuck are they going to do this? <laughs> it's like, okay, you're going to take me out, but you're going to make me happy in the process. Pass. Play. <laughs> yep. You have, you, you've, you've, you've earned it. Keep going. But no, I just... There was so much fun. And it's a childhood memory that I believe. These, we had Jungle Book. We had... Yeah. Robin Hood no no this is what I'm saying you had those ones that were Disney videos that you had chance to see then you had Lion King Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast which were our Disney movies and this one I believe just fuck the 90s were good right oh mate it's it's so hard to turn your back on just like oh it's gone no it's not it's so much more than that you know and this is just one of them that I just you know again it's on the honourable list I'm even trying to think did I have any last year Wow, actually none of them actually made it last yeah. year. So that just proves how touch Lion King was for me in yeah. that, in that sense. That yeah, it's incredible. It had to make Mufasa. it. Ooh. Ooh, say it again. Mufasa. Ooh. Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. <laughs> <laughs> and 
then fucking Ed going <laughs> exactly they just ah oh. everyone had character it just had so much character mm. in it oh Zazu sing something with a little more bounce it's a small world after all no no anything but that I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts diddly diddly <laughs> talking about Atkinson were you a fan of Mr Bean do you know what it was never something I actively seeked out but then every time I saw it he would inadvertently make me laugh how many episodes I don't know do you know there's only 15 shut up someone said it the other day and I had to research it and I was like no way it, it, it's one of those things that I was telling people not too long ago about British TV shows compared to American ones and American sitcom yeah American shows take friends 20 something episodes a season yeah yeah with um, with the UK, we tend to go to about six. You're lucky if you get to ten. Mm. And you and it's forty towers is exactly the answer I gave. You always catch it part way, right? So with that, you're like, oh, which episode is that? And then you it, it, you kind of mix them all together because you can't remember which one it is. So it feels like there's fifty episodes because each time it comes, you always catch it halfway. Yeah. However, it was just nine, and it's the same with Mr. Bean. Forty You've towers. Seen, yeah. Six and six. I don't think it was 12 or then. It was 12. It was 9 or then. 12. Okay. Right, there you go. I always tell people it's 9. But there you go. Mr. Bean is very similar. You keep seeing these part episodes and the seasons go, it comes back in a year, you think, wow, there's got to be hundreds of episodes. Ah, 15. That's mad. It's just the way the UK do their stuff. I actually, do you know what, Mr. Bean the movie, I remember having quite a good time. I had fun with it. I don't think I saw Bean's Holiday because I wasn't. No, I'm neither, not, no, 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 I'm, no. I'm not that deep into the Bean verse. And I refused Johnny English. No, I couldn't. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I mean, Rowan Atkinson is just. I do like his physical comedy, like, he does make me laugh, but. I, do you know what? By the time Bean's Holiday came in, I think I got a bit tired of the physical comedy. Whereas, you know, there's some parts you look back as a, you grow up and you're like, what is this? This isn't my kind of comedy. It's not Jim Carrey physical, if you would, you know? But it is what it is. But yeah, that's the biggest tangent we've ever done from The Lion King, actually. That Rowan Atkinson was the star that we went on to talk about. But diddly diddly. Yeah. <laughs> that was my number three, so over to you. My number three, the movie that showed me that you can make dialogue your one and only trick in a film, and somehow the film will work. Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a film that's literally about nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's about nothing. Yeah. People try to make it about something. Oh, it's about. I've, I've done this before. It's about a gangster's universe in the underbelly of Los Angeles and how the interwoven tapestries of the foundation of the city bring each character together in a non-sequential way, ushering in a new era of narrative storytelling. Pulp Fiction. But what's it about? Yeah, Pulp Fiction. I think the way I summed it up once was Pulp Fiction is everything and nothing in in (laughs) one. Right? You can't describe it. There is no... And the other way I said it, it's the Bohemian Rhapsody of film. Because it it, it covers everything. But I say to you, what is that about? Fuck (laughs) not. Okay, yeah. I don't know, but I like it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Mamma mia, mamma mia. Mamma mia, let me go. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's got everything in it, but... You can't describe it. You just enjoy each scene. You enjoy the ride, and it's because the dialogue is so, like... It's weird, isn't it? Because it's almost beyond reality, and yet so grounded. Thank you. Because... Break down the opening scene. It's literally a couple talking in a restaurant. We've all been there. 
What are they talking about? They're talking about how to make money. We've all been there. Then it takes a fucking turn down <laughs> Weird Street and it says it's going to make money robbing. Okay, what are we robbing? Well, the funny thing about robbing, <laughs> there's certain things you don't want to do. This and that and that. You don't want to do bags, you don't want to do this, you don't want to do that. What you want to do? You want to rob a coffee store. Huh? Think about it. Fucking busboy being paid dollar fifty an hour is not going to put his neck on the line for this place. <laughs> Fat wanker backstage, b- behind the scenes. Last thing he wants is people fucking dying on his establishment. Customers all come in here not expecting to be mugged, probably carrying a lot of money. One moment they're having a pumpkin pie, next moment someone's putting a gun in their face. And you think about it and it's like, yeah. Yeah. Completely correct. And then you transition from that into going, I love you, to everybody in the call, this is a robbery. Any of you fucking pricks move and I'll execute every last motherfucking one of you. To that soundtrack. It's just like so. Then the fucking credits play, and then it brings you back in from being outside to inside the movie because the radio station's changing. So you're like, okay, we've all been there, and it breaks into Jungle Boogie, (laughs) and then fade out. You've got two guys, a black guy and a white guy, talking about hamburgers in a car. What the fuck is happening? As weird as it is, as you said, it's all very natural. It's all very grounded. It's so natural. You know, just yesterday, well, no, a couple of days ago, in the the car with a friend. And we're like, hey, when's the last time we've been to that restaurant? I've been with with a few people, tried to persuade them. They didn't want to go. I knew you'd be down. These are the conversations you have in a car. Yeah. It's just done in a way that it, it stylized reality. Yeah. That's all it is. And it, it, it just you, you can pick so many excellent lines of dialogue and monologue, especially from that opening half hour. Yeah. It's just, it brings you into the world. Like, you've got that scene in the coffee shop. You've got the Royale with cheese. You've got Ezekiel 2517. You've got the foot massage debate. Yeah. You've got Antoine, my personal favorite, Antoine Rakamora. I used to call him Toki, Tony Rakahara, half white, half Simone. Yeah, I remember him. Fat, right? But I wouldn't go so fast to call the brother fat. I mean, motherfucker Simone, what's he gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> I always remember hearing that. I'm thinking, good point. <laughs> yeah. no, no racial, but it is that. <laughs> Against the world to what around the campfire is my son's fucked his ass up good. What'd he do? Fuck his wife? No, 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 no. He gave her a foot massage. That's a damn shame. Still, I gotta say, you play with matches, you get burned. You don't think he overreacted? <laughs> I mean, no. He had to expect a reaction. I mean, that's the man's wife. Is it as bad as? Eating her pussy? No, but it's the same fucking ballpark. Stop, 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 stop. Eating the bitch out <laughs> and touching the bitch's feet ain't the same ballpark. It's not the same ballpark, but... Sorry, it's not the same sport, but it's the same ballpark. Ain't no motherfucking ballpark either. Look, maybe your method of massage differs from mine, but putting your tongue in the holiest of holies and giving a bitch a foot massage 
ain't the same goddamn ball pop. Ain't even the same league. Ain't even the same goddamn sport. Would you give a guy a foot massage? Fuck you. <laughs> and it breaks it down perfectly. It really it breaks it down perfectly. There we are. Yeah. Like, no, you wouldn't. You so shut the fuck up. You wouldn't. So shut the fuck up. You know exactly what you've done. <laughs> you know exactly what your intentions were when you've done that. Yeah. We all know what we've done when we gave a foot massage. Yeah. And it's the little details like that, you know, and they, you know, and they're having this debate all the way up to the fucking front door of the guy who they're about to kill. And then they look at their watch and it's like, oh, we're a bit early. And they walk to the end of the corridor so they can't be heard. And it continues. It fucking continues. Like any fucking normal civilized debate would do. It's like, actually, do you know what? I have some shit to add here. You know? Yeah. And then you switch from these two, what seems like two really good friends, because only friends debate in that intense yeah. way. You know, otherwise it ends in fisticuffs. Only friends debate each other that way. So you're like, okay, these two are friends. Then the next thing you know, they're breaking into a motherfucker's house and they're literally holding them all up at gunpoint. And there's that switch, isn't there? Where, because Samuel L. Jackson goes in and he's cool. He's cool as, you know, he's like, oh, we disturbed you, boys. You're breakfast, you know, put, put your feet up. You're good. And then he asks one guy, you're like, where's the case? And then another guy says, I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. And in that moment, you're like, oh, these guys are in trouble. Yeah. This isn't a fucking casual visit. He's... He's a, yeah, yeah, he's a bad guy. Yeah. He's a bad guy. But, you know... And it flips your perception of what you've just said, doesn't yeah. it? Because you've just really grown to like these two guys. Yeah. And you realise, oh, no, they're bad. Shit! But you know what? This is the ultimate definition of those Tarantino quirks. Because he says, you're about to go. And like, oh, no, we're a bit early. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? You're about to do some evil shit. Just do your shit. Yeah. No, 12.30. Okay, let's just walk down there. Yeah. These are the Tarantino quirks that just have you like, huh? But it's <laughs> but it real. Works. They're magic. Yeah. They are magic. They are magic. They are fucking magic. For me, there is only one scene in that entire movie where I'm like, that could have been cut and the movie would not have been any different it's after Bruce Willis kills that guy in the boxing ring and he's leaving the building that whole scene in the taxi it just brings the movie to a complete fucking standstill yeah 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 I get why he was doing it but you know the whole what follows that is quite slow but it's important you know it's him and his girlfriend and you know you need that um, it shows that she's quite cute, quite fun. I like the way you smell, Butch. Come to bed, you know? It's cute and it's endearing. But the whole scene before that with Maria de Medeiros when she's driving him in the cab? Yeah. Pointless. True. That's the one scene I'm True. at. It could have cut from literally him leaving the building, snip edit, him knocking on the door of his motel, his girlfriend opens. The whole taxi scene gets eliminated and the movie doesn't change. And it does bring it to a bit of a standstill. Point. Yeah. Point. Hmm. But yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's a fucking work of art, this film. It's literally Tarantino taking everything he knows about filmmaking, flipping it on its head and going, I'm going to do a movie about dialogue. Fuck you. Play. Play. Your number two. My number two. This is pure nostalgia. I know you're going to kill me for it. The fans are going to kill me for it, but it go, is what go, it go. is. This is the last of the Jim Carrey. You know where I'm going. I don't. You do. Truman Show? No. Where's he going? The My go-to Batman movie, dude. Oh, fuck <laughs> off. I had to. Really? I had to. 
Really? I nearly went for number 10 you and I thought you know what? shit bro it was on the list when it was on the list it was on the list and I, I look back at it and I'm going to be saying goodbye to it soon so I stick with it right well on the no. near and dear oh no. fair enough you get a pass fair enough I'm going to because every time for me every time we bring it up you continue to embarrass yourself so. <laughs> long may that continue so this is my favourite Batman actor you can't say that can dude who Bale 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 I, I Keaton gave, I gave Keaton Keaton was good but I like the way that Val Kilmer portrayed both sides I think he was oh. good Bruce as well as Batman but anyway your words hurt me anyway moving on there's no anyway this is this like oh fuck me you're so stubborn when was the last time you sat down and watched this film truthfully truthfully it's been a while. Not what since, a while! Not, not since we started back. I'll be honest. So we're talking four years minimum, possibly three years, two to three years. Yeah, and it still registers for you. You can't take God away what it has it. as a. It, do you know what I will always give this film credit for? It was what really opened my eyes into how much I appreciate the comic book movie world. Yeah, it went full comic book. That is what this one done for me, more than any. Um, I knew there was Batman movies before with Ke- um, Michael Keaton. I took them for what and they were. What is face? Um, R.I.P. Who are we talking? OG Batman. Oh, um, Adam West. Thank you. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, that was TV. That was a TV one. As much as there was a film, there was one film, which is that was another thing that sparked something in my head of like villain collapse and stuff. But this one really said to me, Batman's your guy in one sense um, it opened my world into what the whole comic book world is about in so many different ways mm. that I, I, I can't let go in that sense so it's, it's very emotional okay, very okay, okay. I appreciate that in it's terms terrible. of listen if, what's my favourite Batman movie yes we heard it last time it The is. Dark Knight yeah. it trumps it it kills it there is no in between right that and again what I love and this is DC I think that this is old DC versus new DC because old DC this is what you would get it's the way superhero movies were portrayed and it's as cheesy fest as it will get short of the 60s Adam West which is just and way Batman too cheesy that, that's just that that shouldn't be mentioned <laughs> that, that's the one time you said Arnie no Arnie no stay away from <laughs> yeah you but, know what fuck you and your big gun okay that's where they try to do comic book. What I like about DC now, short of possibly Wonder Woman, not even Wonder Woman worked in this sense. What they've done now is Joker done it, Dark Knight done it. You are good films that just happen to be in the superhero realm. Yeah. That's the new style. So well, I was about to say, hot take, is Joker a Batman movie? <sighs> you don't have to answer. It's in, it's in the one world. To the silver screen. It, yeah, I, I would like to hear what people's answers are. Um, when I was there some people got fed, were really pissed off at seeing the pearls another person said I like it because it tied it into the world I have an argument with it right my problem with that it being the Joker I don't believe he can be Batman's arch nemesis Joker just too because old. yeah he's way too old in the fact that he would be a Lex Luthor type villain in that sense whereas the Joker that Batman takes on is just a psycho on the road whereas this one would be a I'm sending my henchman out he's in the Zimmer frame if not <laughs> no it, it, let's be real yeah, yeah. by the time Bruce got there 
Bruce has that whole journey that you see in Batman Begins yeah. and then comes back to that like no no if that's the Batman universe you're tying into the Joker then no but which I wouldn't personally for me it's not a Batman movie for me it is a standalone thing I don't think they I know they're going to do a sequel because it made a billion dollars um, but again sh- that I don't know if it should you need to be very shouldn't. careful what you're doing absolutely should not and you know to me it's a bit like Gotham there was that one guy who I think influenced the birth of the Joker uh, what, what's his face okay, Jermaine or Jerome or whatever Jerome yeah and I think it's something similar in this this Joker that we saw influences the birth of another Joker it can't maybe be. but I, I don't think there should be a number two but greed will always make people do stuff that they should of course it will yeah, so that's as much as I'm going to go on that one. And to you, sir, you're number two. Yeah, you probably surprised this didn't make the list last year. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it didn't. No, it didn't. It didn't. And it's crazy that it didn't when you know how much... Like, I still think this is the best book adaptation ever. Ever. This movie is a generation-defining powerhouse. This is an ensemble cast powerhouse. This is a f- this movie is so good that people are scared to make fantasy films now. Think about that. Yeah. People are genuinely scared. And I mean I don't mean like sci-fi fantasy or where there's a sort of, you know, non-medieval element to it. I'm talking pure fantasy. You know, elves, goblins, orcs, trolls, men, dwarves, the whole shebang dragons that level of fantasy it's been done since badly people Fair, yeah. people do not want to touch this shit people are terrified of making fantasy now because these films set the bar too fucking high but you know the funny thing about these films it's also just taking the origin the actual Lord of the Rings is probably what inspired fantasy in the kickoff. of course it is and it 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 just proves that some stuff you can't take on the OG. No, you really cannot. And the OG is, is there to stay. This is one of them that has really defined that. Like, it, I suppose what it does is it took everything in fantasy, as you said, goblin elves, everything, like all of them, and put them into it, created its own universe. And then anything you're doing, you're actually just building off of that universe. Yeah. But what was so wonderful is how it was a parallel to reality. You know, Middle Earth. It, almost almost if you suspend disbelief ever so slightly almost feels like a world which we once upon a time could have inhabited before we became silly humans yeah right it feels like a world that mankind could have and should have lived in and it's you know they don't all speak the same language there are different alphabets different languages there's different cultures within Middle Earth they, even little details like the different foods they eat or the places they live you know dwarves mountains elves forests yeah it's all on one hand you could argue that it's all very you know a-stereotypical that's because this film made it so um, but you, there are very very clear cultures and races and motivations yeah. and relationships within Middle Earth that parallel our own yeah yeah take a look at the fucking dwarves and tell me that doesn't look like a bunch of Viking invaders no it does you know what I mean it's what you see instantly yeah it's exactly what you see maybe a bit taller I would imagine (laughs) 
<laughs> just a touch, Dummy. Just a touch. Just a touch, you know. You look at them and then you look at four and it's very different. Yeah. <laughs> then you look at the elves and you think, ah, LGBT. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, one of them was in Priscilla Queen of the Desert. So. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it, does, it, does, it works, yeah. No, but jokes aside, it is, it is the fantasy of all fantasies. You know, even the prequels to this fucking trilogy paled. Yeah. You, you, you can't, you can't recapture the fucking scope that these movies did. I mean, they're redoing Lord of the Rings. It's coming out as an Amazon series. Yes, I heard about this. But they're not doing this story. They're doing it in that world, different time period. Even they, no, they don't, I don't blame them. No, I get it, but I just, in the same time. You really want to try recasting Gandalf? You really want to try recasting Gollum? Frodo? Fuck that! It's true. It's not doable. Um, yeah, that was my number two. Your number one, Coach Carter. Is it now? Yeah, Coach Carter okay. was the one. Um, it was on the list, and when I looked, I looked at everything. I toyed with everything. I was like, no, this this is this is the one. This is the one that uh, it was a film. I I just remember that feeling I had in the cinema leaving the cinema after that film I remember knowing I remember seeing the trailer for the DVD coming out and being like I I need that I need that in my collection Um, and I remember playing it at home and the whole family taking it in like yeah this this is a this is a good film yeah and for that that's where it I think Coach Carter you kind of like La La Land was your potential 11 last time mm. this is where this was I was like yeah 14 <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just needed it, it needed that respect of yeah that's the one uh, yeah there's not much more I can add it's it, one of the best sports yeah. films there is it it's is. so it good really is. It so really good uh, right let's wrap it up because we're going way long here we are um, and your number one before you wrap my number one uh, again Shocker that it wasn't on the top 10 last year, the official top 10, but my official number 11, the first movie memory I have, Star Wars. Oh, okay. Yes, it wasn't on the last one. How is a guy like me not going to put Star Wars in there? And we're talking New Hope, yeah? No, no, I'm talking Star Wars, the brand okay. IP. I didn't pick a Lord of the Rings movie, I just picked sure. movies. Sure, I, I just took the first one, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um, no, Star Wars, it's just, I remember shit I can't remember how old I was but my god I must have been little but I still I can I remember those movies so vividly I remember it was my mother's old boyfriend who funny enough TV presenter Malcolm Jeffries or used to be a TV presenter um I remember watching it in his room I remember everything about that room because of everything these you know because of how vivid the memories I remember the colour of his sheets I remember the smell of his boxer dog. I remember the the shape of the house. I this there's such a connotation of this house is where I saw you Star can, like, Wars. Throwback, isn't it? It just yeah. brings you right back into. And it. that's because this just was like, oh my god, I'm not watching a cartoon here. What am I watching? This is just. I love everything about this. There's space and lasers and guns and trees and Ewoks and AT-ATs and soldiers in really cool uniforms and this thing called the Force. It's basically magicians. I'm like, oh my God, this has got everything. It's, and it's got a love story and it's got a handsome rogue and it's got a young hero and it's got a princess and it's got a dark father and a villain. I'm like, oh my God, it's got everything. <laughs> so, it may, it's, and I still, to this day, 
And I'll say this, fuck Marvel, fuck DC, fuck Transformers even, fuck all the big IPs that I love. Nothing elicits excitement in me as when a trailer drops and you hear that do 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 that music kicks in and you're like oh my god it's a Star Wars film it's a fucking event when these things happen the likes of which no IP can capture and it's not about box office numbers because I know well Endgame biggest film of all time not about that it's not about that not about that Star Wars I get it it's an but I think it has it do you know Star Wars is it's a bit like Marmite though I think it has that it has its I want to say it's, it's, it has its community I wasn't, I massive it, cult. it has its community it's not a cult and if you Fuck get off. it yeah this is it it's community and it's there and then there is the other side who are just oblivious to what Star Wars is you know laser sword magic sword what was it your missus said leave her alone no I will defend her till the end but no but she but she is the representation yeah, of, of course she what is. the other side I'm is I'm not knocking it I'm yeah. just, I just, it just hurts me <laughs> it just hurts I get it I get it and that's the funny thing dude I, let me break this down for you in my office the day the movie came out and I was like oh my god Star Wars is out today silence yeah and I pushed I was like guys no reaction Three people out of the five other people in my office were like, never seen a Star Wars movie. One of them, which actually pissed me off, and I shut, I, I don't normally get into debates at work, but I had to shut her down. She was like, she's Italian, so I'm going to do the accent here. She's like, I don't like Star Wars. I'm like, but you just said you've never seen it. Yeah, but it's shit. Yeah, I, I, How I, can I, you say it's shit if you haven't seen it? Well, I've got, because yeah, I, I have a life. It's like, but you haven't seen it. Maybe you'll love it. No, no, it's not something for me. Like, what's it about? I don't know, but it's not for me. Oh! Pain! Brain cells dying! Uh. Do you know what? If if you watch it and it's not for you, it's not for you. You know... That's fine! Exactly. Don't go saying something shit when you ain't seen it. Yeah. Um, But this is... You know, I I think because of the time I entered, and, you know, we we touched on it briefly, New Hope can't give me that magic because I just... It, probably as a kid I would have been all over it you know yeah, yeah, it wasn't, yeah. It, you, you can't capture childhood magic that it's meant to give you as an adult it's just not going to happen no um, but no I get it it's a good shout it's great um, this year we didn't have a punt so there was definitely no Rushmore no. on that honourable movie <laughs> no, definitely not um, American History X you hold that crown yeah, <laughs> yeah. two years in a row and yeah it's been fun it's overdue so I can't even go any further but good it shout. is good the shout. last episode of season 2 it is it is indeed so thank you guys for bearing with us for season 2 and two seasons for those of you who have been with us from the beginning noot, noot, we thank you we love you and look out for new news in the future wishing you a happy new year and until then I am the one AJ Anthony Jordan I'm going to build on that quickly because we have got some big announcements coming for season 3 I or we might make a quick five-minute podcast upload just to let you know what's coming in Season 3. Now, actually, that's a good title. What's coming in Season 3? Um, we might also release that on video format on our YouTube because we've got some quite big news coming for yeah. Season 3. Like, it's legitimately big news. I'm not just tooting our own, sort of own horns here. This is big. So be on the lookout. We'll be back with you first week of January. Uh, but until then, please be sure to follow us on all the podcast platforms, Spreaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio, 
Oi, um, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Castbox, and Deezer. And enjoy us on all platforms. Be sure to share us with all the movie fans that you may know. I am Nicolero. See ya. See ya.